Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number seven entitled Keys to Family Unity. It's a good lesson, uh, a lot of practical things, uh, and actually we titled it, as I try to summarize the whole experience, as how much we need the cross of Jesus. Um, that's where the unity takes place. Uh, before we dive in, this may be the first time you're listening to this podcast, the devotional, I just want to make you aware that in the description of this podcast, you will find a whole bunch of links that I placed there on purpose. I want these to be tools for you to empower your devotional life. Thus, the title of this podcast is not simply about the Sabbath school, but your entire experience in being connected with the Lord on a daily basis. So there you will find links to a Bible app that I use on a daily basis. I listen to the Bible on my commute. I have a Bible plan that I've also placed a link there that you can join in so that you can actually listen to the whole Bible throughout the year. This will be the third year that I go through it and it's a very enriching experience and a good use of your commute time. And so you will find that there. Plus, of course, the Sabbath School app, which is free. And in the Sabbath School app, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, you actually get to listen to the Sabbath School lesson itself, word for word, including the Bible references. Um, and it's very well done. And I use that as well. So all these tools that I've discovered, I place there. And I will always have new tools that I discover. And as soon as I do, I will be letting you know about them. And also, I will be posting them on my Facebook page, uh, Devotional Podcast. Remember to put double L's, Devotion, A-L-L, Podcast. And um, I also post Bible verses that when I do my morning devotions, if I read a verse that touches my heart, I will post it there as well to encourage you. Little helps here and there so that um, you have uh, tools and resources for your personal devotional life to grow. So if um, if you found this uh, helpful, uh, it would also help me if you could take some time to review um, this uh, or rate this podcast. What well, I'm not sure what platform you may be using to listen to this, but actually I, I didn't know this. But you reviewing these um, and rating them help other people that are looking for spiritual resources to find resources such as this. So if you've been blessed, thank you so much for sharing it with your friends and families. But this also helps uh, create greater exposure for this resource, and I, I would really appreciate if you would take some time to do that. So question, a question that comes from one of the, actually Tuesday's lesson. If you had a choice between arguing with your spouse or with your parents or with your children, if you had a choice between arguing with them for five minutes or five days, which would you choose? If you had to, if you, if we had that option of choosing five minutes or five days, how long do I want my argument to last? How, how long would I want it? And of course, it's a silly question, right? I, I actually asked that same question this morning for the worship at, uh, for our Oakwood Academy students. And <laughs> one of the boys, after a couple of kids said, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, one of the boys said, six minutes. <laughs> and then the next one said, uh, 10 minutes. And uh, I think they're being realistic. They're realizing, I don't know if I've ever argued for five minutes with mom and dad. We would definitely choose five minutes. We don't like arguments. We don't like fights. It's, it's very uncomfortable. Why do they linger longer than we would want? Um, there is an answer, and it's proud people. Proud, prideful people choose not to yield. Prideful people choose not to listen, to compromise, to forgive. Definitely prideful people choose not to apologize, etc., etc., those are the people that choose to argue for five days plus. Um, 
that's that's the the last the quote that grabbed my attention this week when I was um, studying it. It's from Tuesday. It's right at the top. Uh, the title of it is Selfishness, the Family Destroyer. I don't know why they omitted the other one, Pride, because the quote right beneath it comes from a book called Early Writings, page 119, and it says, If pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would remove most difficulties. If pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would remove most difficulties, more challenges. So it's not the size of the difficulty, but the size of my pride. Um, pride and selfishness, they are the twin evils that, um, like Esau and Jacob, right? Like Esau and Jacob, uh, even though they were twins, one came out first. And in this situation, one of these two also manifests themselves first. Which one? Between pride and selfishness, which one shows its ugly head first? We will look at that in this next segment of Devotional. None of us like to fight. I don't. But there we are, arguing over who burnt the oatmeal, who did not take out the trash, uh, all these uh, silly things that, um, like the lesson says, like this very beautiful quote says, five minutes. That's all it would take to remove these difficulties. Um, out of the two, which ones um, manifest itself first? And I, this is my opinion, of course, and we'll love to hear your thoughts, and you're welcome to think otherwise. But for me, pride shows up first. And just like I said at the, at the close of the last podcast, you have these twins, Jacob and Esau. And though they were twins, they did not both come out at the same time. <laughs> I, have, I don't know of any twins that had come out simultaneously. Uh, all, one always comes out first, even though they're twins. And for me, pride shows up first. Um, and the reason I say that is because pride feels no need for the cross of Christ. That's one of the core components, one of the primary symptoms of pride in the human heart. Pride is what causes me to feel no need of a personal, new revelation of God's grace. I'm satisfied with what I know. I feel no more need. I feel no need to experience God's power in my life. I'm doing just fine with my own strength. I feel no need of a new revelation of God's love. Of course He loves me. I'm a good person. Um, I don't see God's love given to someone that doesn't deserve that love, a sinner such as I. Um, I don't feel a need for God's promises. Um, I, like, I, like, I can do just fine. Um, I can manage my life. And I don't feel a need for God's forgiveness. Um, my, my sins or my mistakes, uh, you know, to tone it down a bit, uh, my, my mistakes, they're not as bad as some, someone else's people, other people, um, I don't need the forgiveness of God as much as I used to need. Now I'm doing much better. Those are all self-deceptions and those are all manifestations that pride is creeping into my life. I've said this repeatedly in many podcasts. You will never have a day in life on planet Earth until Jesus comes in which you do not need the grace, the power, the love, the promises, and the forgiveness of God. That is something that is a... you actually will feel more (laughs) you know you're going in the right direction if you realize you have you have more need of these than when you first encountered Christ when you first experienced salvation and for me pride is the first one that manifests because it brings that distance it takes away my inner conviction 
that I have a need for the cross of Christ. And when there is no cross of Christ in view, in my worldview, that creates fertile ground for selfishness to grow unchecked. You see, it is at the cross that whenever selfishness begins to manifest itself, it becomes painfully evident at the cross because the cross was the purest, uh, most uninhibited manifestation of self-sacrificial love, which is at the complete opposite spectrum of selfishness. And you and I are accustomed to pride and selfishness that we don't detect it, we don't recognize it. Only at the cross are our hearts can our hearts be made sensitive enough to recognize pride and selfishness, not in my spouse's heart, not in my children's hearts, not in my parents' hearts. Uh, the cross empowers me, enables me, reveals to me pride and selfishness in my heart. Only there can it happen. And because pride causes me a distance, makes me feel comfortable distancing myself from the cross of Christ, it, it, it lessens my abilities to detect selfishness within me. And so it grows. It grows unchecked. You know, last uh, two nights ago, my wife and I turned on the air conditioning in our house. Michigan is having a weird, hard time transitioning into spring. It gets warm. The trees blossom. Boom. It gets super cold. And so we go from heat, <laughs> uh, turning on the, the air conditioning, thinking, yay, warm weather, to saying, man, we need to turn the heat on again. <laughs> my wife's from Puerto Rico. We, we don't let our house get, get cold too low before we turn on the furnace and um, two nights ago when we turned on the AC my wife and we had been smelling something now for some time but two nights ago the whole house smelled like Parmesan cheese it smelled like we were in Olive Garden uh, and Olive Garden all they were serving was lasagna with extra Parmesan cheese that's the best way that I can explain it and I told my wife what is that and my wife said the same thing I thought I was the only one smelling it so I googled it I typed in uh, what happened? Why is actually it was coming from the furnace? We did discover that part. It was the air coming from from the AC unit. So I googled that, and I didn't know that there was this thing called the dirty sock syndrome. I'm not sure if that's just this website that I, that named it this way, but maybe people that work with AC that's the name the air conditionings. This is what they've called it, the dirty sock syndrome, and basically it was tr just trying to describe what happens inside the coil. Um, when moisture condenses around it and in a dark, moist place um, coated with dead skin and other, you know, uh, organisms and materials that mold can feed on, it grows mold. And that's what we were smelling, mold growing in our AC, imperceptibly to us. It had probably been growing there maybe all winter long since last year. We don't know. All we know is that when we turn on the AC, we smelled it. And once I read that, we turned it off, we opened the windows. And we call the furnace individuals. My wife, my wife and daughters are sensitive to mold, um, but we we did not know that that was growing there until we smelt it, until we were able to recognize it. So, what are some symptoms that could let me know there's pride and selfishness? You know, if just like mold, if you smell cheese <laughs> coming out of your furnace, now you know what's what's happening. But how do I know pride and selfishness are manifesting themselves? In my house how do i know that they're creeping imperceptibly in my heart and that i'm bringing these elements into my home um, there are many and i'm not going to make this podcast uber long with this uh, just one of the things that i recognize that happens within me an experiential and of course biblical uh, point of view um, i think that is when we are looking at other people's behaviors what other people are doing or saying and we become convinced of their wrong motives 
when we look at other people's behaviors and we convince ourselves that their motives are to harm us, they meant to hurt us, they meant to offend us, they meant to disrespect us, we are uh, ascribing motives to behaviors. For me, that's one of the, the telltale signs that pride and selfishness are creeping into my heart because sin blinds us. Sin makes us believe things are there that aren't really there. I mean, think about it. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were convinced God was coming to hurt them, to destroy them, when God was actually seeking them to save them. But sin completely reversed what they were seeing, yet they were convinced. Adam said, I heard your voice and I was afraid of you. Now, God didn't change. Adam and Eve did. And so if we can misread God's motives because of his behaviors, and all God was doing was asking the question, where are you? If we can misconstrue God's motives because of that, imagine what we can do with each other when we're not like God. So for me, that's when I begin to say, Lord, maybe maybe it's not that I'm imagining things, it's that the selfishness and the pride in my heart is misrepresenting things, misinterpreting things that my wife said or my kids are doing. Uh, I'm, there's been plenty of times that I thought certainly my little girl meant to do that to her little sister, but when I begin to ask questions, I find out that there's a whole story and there was a whole reasoning behind my little girl's actions that were completely off from what I had judged her motives to be. That's when I begin to recognize there's cheese growing inside my heart. There's that cheese giving odor of mold, the moldy pride and selfishness. I know why you did that to me. I know why you said that to me. Those phrases are telltale signs that there's pride and selfishness in my heart. Don't worry about your spouses. There may be pride there too. I'm pretty sure, sure of that. But I can't do anything about someone else's heart. Um, but I can certainly... I have a responsibility and a choice with mine. I know why. That's a, that's a statement of motive. I'm not saying I know what you've done. I know why you did it. The, the, what you said or what you did, that's the behavior. But why? I claim to know something that only God can know. And that's why I say this is pride. Only God knows the heart of human beings. Only God can correctly interpret the motives and thoughts that drive our behavior. And I'm not God and neither are you. So you do not know why your wife did what she did or your husband said what he said or your child is doing and saying what they're doing. We don't know exactly. Sometimes we may be right and some things you know, are, are quite obvious, but not always. And when our emotions, you know, the, the, the anger has set in, our emotions has set in, it increases our inability to discern people's motives. We can definitely see their behaviors, but pride and selfishness will always cause us to misconstrue and misinterpret. So my furnace, my furnace is going to get clean, God willing, today um, at the mode's latest on Monday. And we won't use it until then. We don't want to take any chances with uh, stinky mold. But so now we have a question. So now I know that there is selfishness and pride. I'm beginning to understand how destructive that is. How do I clean my house from these twin evils? How do I keep my house clean from pride and selfishness? We will touch on that on the next part of Devotional. I'm going to read to you a quote from Friday to answer that question. We're not going to beat around the bush. 
this is an important subject and I want to get to the root of it. How do I get pride and selfishness out of my house? Well, here's the answer. The cause of division and discord, again, tw twin results from the twin evils, the cause of division and discord in families and in the church is separation from Christ. To come near to Christ is to come near to one another. The secret of true unity in the church and the secret of true unity in the family is not diplomacy, is not management, it's not a superhuman effort to overcome difficulties, though there will be much of this to do. But the secret of true unity is union with Christ. So this is the solution. How do I get selfishness and pride out of my heart, out of my home, out of my family, and, and he mentions here out of my church? Um, the biggest culprit is separation from Christ. But why? What causes, what brings this about? You know, I, I, I read, I, I'm trying to do these things. I'm, I'm listening to this podcast. <laughs> um, and I'm going to tell you from personal experience again, what I see and what I observe as a pastor I've been in ministry now for over 20 years, and I've seen this pattern manifest itself in more and more marked ways. And I don't think this is a blame situation. This is just how society is pushing and cornering us to live. I believe the biggest cause for this, or that facilitates the separation from Christ, is a very, very busy family, a very, very busy calendar, a very busy non-stop life. Too many yeses to too many good things. And I'm going to say that again. The biggest culprit for me, my house, myself being separated from Christ um, is a very busy family. And why are we so busy? Because we give too many yeses to too many good things. And I remember listening, hearing this from a church leader many years ago, and I've never forgotten it. Good is the enemy of best. Good is the enemy of best. We only have so much time in our day, in our week, in our months, in our lives. We only have so much of it. And how we invest it tells the results in our lives, of our destiny. I'm going to read two verses from you. And I'm going to read it from the Dewey Rhymes uh, translation. It's a Catholic translation. As Luke chapter 10, verses 41 through 42. And the reason I chose it is because they choose one word <laughs> different from the New King James, the NIV, and the other translations that I looked at. It says this, And the Lord answering, this is Jesus, answering said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and art troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the best part which shall not be taken from her. Now, the New King James says the good part, and the I think NIV says the better part. But this translation, I think, gives us that punchiness, the best part. And it's not that the translations are deficient. You can still get the message. You can still get the gist of what Jesus is saying. You are troubled about many good things. What was troubling Martha? She was serving Jesus. She was trying to get lunch ready. She was trying to get the house ready. And she was running herself raggedy, trying to get the house cleaned up and everything else. And Mary was listening to Jesus talk. How inconsiderate of her. And so Jesus says, 
out of the two, and she, she actually, Martha says, yell at her. Tell her how wrong she is. She is abandoning me. She's um, not showing love. She's disrespectful. I'm the oldest sister. She should be helping me. She should be following my lead. Here's Martha ascribing motives to um, Mary's behavior. Certainly, she's just lazy. She's always been lazy. Um, ascribing motives to Mary's behavior, unable to see her heart. Mary knew the darkness that she had lived in, and she had seen the many poor choices her pride and her selfishness had led her to. And here was the man, the only man, that through his love had cleansed and purged her from her pride and selfishness. And there was no other place she would much rather be than at the feet of Jesus. She did not want to waste any opportunity, any moment in which she could soak in from his heart the cure for her pride and selfishness. And Martha missed all of this. Martha was convinced that this is the reason why my sister is not doing this, and she was so wrong. Pride and selfishness was growing in Martha's heart, and she didn't even know it. Here you and I, you have, have you ever noticed um, how many no's there are in the Ten Commandments? The, the bulk of it, you know, 80% if you want to be mathematical about it. 80% of the Ten Commandments begins with no. Only the two in the middle begin with yes. And to me, it's almost as if God visually is trying to illustrate that the no's protect the yeses. When you say no to good things, to many good things, it will allow you to say yes to the best things, to the things that are most important in your life. Many of us are busy with things that in the end, in eternity, will be of such minuscule inconsequence that maybe we will be even be embarrassed that we invested so much time in them. And we shouldn't wait until heaven to feel that way. Maybe we need to evaluate our homes right now because it is a busy, full schedule that does not allow you to spend time at Jesus' feet. And when you and I do not spend time at Jesus' feet, when we are not cl close to Him, to His cross, to the evidences and manifestations of His self-sacrificial love, we make ourselves vulnerable for pride and selfishness to manifest themselves in our lives. You know, I, I've created my own personal hierarchy of what is good, better, and best simply in the area of devotions, personal devotions. Um, because sometimes I found myself nibbling here, nibbling there, being frustrated, you know, thinking, I'm going to read this book, or I'm going to read that book, or I'm going to listen to this sermon. And I began to realize as I grew that there are there, there's a best, better, and good as in, our, in our devotional life. And of course, your devotional life is non-negotiable. And within that, there's a definite non-negotiable. And I call this the best choices you can make for your devotional life. Um, prayer. Prayer ought to be your strongest non-negotiable of time. Um, you should not uh, rush through this. It should be focused. Um, Jesus woke up extra early to be sure he had time along with his father, and so must you. You may wake up earlier if you know that there's a commute, if there's going to be extra traffic. You may wake up earlier if there's snow on the ground or sleet on the ground and traffic's going to be bad. And we were more worried about getting to our jobs on time than in spending time with the Lord. It's almost as if pride and selfishness is not even our concern of ours. And those are signs you don't feel the need for what is really the issues in our lives. 
your family will not fall apart because you you are not able to pay the bills. It may bring some discomfort, but pride and selfishness is what will destroy your family, not the inability to pay bills. You You need to get that right. Selfishness and pride is what destroys families, not financial hardships, not health situations. Sometimes those are the very things that wake us up to what's truly important in life and how neglectful we have been of them. Of course, followed by prayer, you know what I'm going to say. Read, but not simply read, but meditate and journal through the Bible, one book at a time, not rushing through it, beginning with one book and completing it. Those are the things that I have learned, and these are my personal uh, growth uh, journey where I'm at in my personal devotional life. I make sure that I do not neglect prayer. I have a busy life too, and if there's some, one thing that I will make sure happens in my devotional life is not rushed, focused prayer. I will not leave my, my personal area of prayer until I, I know that I have connected with the Lord, quieted my heart in His presence, and have a sense of His presence with me. And of course, uh, I definitely want to make time for the Bible. Um, the better, that was the best right there. You know, you, you cannot negotiate with these. You need these things. That's, that's the equivalent of being at Jesus' feet. The prayer and the meditation, the reading and meditation of God's Word and journaling what you've been reading. That's being at Jesus' feet. The better is when I choose to listen to the Bible while driving or while I'm cooking or vacuuming or walking. I listen to the scriptures. If I didn't have time to um, read and meditate, that's my plan B. Uh, During the commute, I will listen to the scriptures and I have a Bible plan. Like I told you earlier, you will find find all of these resources that I use on, on the app, on the podcast description so that you can use these too. This is how I'm trying to make it work for a very busy pastor's life. And the good uh, is listening to sermons or Christian music in the same scenarios as the better. I do not let Christian music replace my devotional life of prayer and Bible study. And I do not allow myself to feel like I fed myself spiritually by simply listening to a sermon if I myself have neglected prayer or Bible study. Um, I do not allow someone else's spiritual nurturing to become mine. I want God directly to feed me through His Word. So a sermon is not a bad thing, but many people listen to sermons, that's all they do but they never spend time in the Word themselves. And it has to be the Bible. Even spirit of prophecy will not replace the Scriptures. So don't make the mistake of thinking that you are feeding yourself spiritually by reading spirit of prophecy only. That's the lesser light that ought to be leading you to the greater light, the Scriptures. So, um, in conclusion, the best will always require time. There's just no getting around it. And this may require you to look at your calendar and begin to say no, 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 so you can say yes to the things that are best. It was only at the feet of Jesus that the pride and selfishness that had done so much damage in Mary's life, Mary Magdalene, it was only at the feet of Jesus that that pride and selfishness was purged, cleansed, and removed. It is only at this place that will bring you near to Christ, near to His cross, near to His heart. Will you make time in your life today for what is best? Jesus wants to give you the best for your life. You need it in your home. You need it for your family. You need it for your marriage. 
you need it for your children. Without Jesus, selfishness and pride will sabotage your best intentions, your best desires. And in the end, you will find yourself like Martha, resentful, angry, convinced you're the only one fighting for your family, convinced you're the only one that wants good things for your life. But you're selling yourself short if all you want is good and not the best. The best has a price and it's your time. Will you take time for what is best in your life? I sincerely hope you received a special blessing from today's episode on devotional. I pray it has inspired you to turn the study of God's Word into a daily habit, as well as using the study tool of our Sabbath School lesson. If you haven't yet subscribed on iTunes or whichever platform you listen in, would you please do so now? This way, you will be notified each time I publish a new episode. It would also mean a lot to me if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast. You doing this will help others discover the spiritual resource. I would really appreciate this. I would love for you to connect with me through my Facebook page, Devotional Podcast. There's a link in the show's description that will take you there. I will regularly post additional resources there as well. It would be so good to hear what you like and what I could do to make this podcast a bigger blessing for you. Lastly, Would you consider making a monthly 99 cent contribution to this podcast? It would help offset the long-term cost of producing each episode. Thanks again for listening. Look forward to our next time together in the next episode of Devotional. Until then, this is Pastor Ariel inviting you to devote all you are and all you have to our Lord Jesus Christ.